Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Oh. Did that catch me? No. <laughs> oh, I said hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Discord's doing things already. <laughs> um. We are chugging right along for season five, and I forgot how quickly things pick up in this season. I feel like this is a theme for our show is like, I forgot everything. <laughs> I think that that's, I, I think even more than, I mean, there's definitely huge swaths of things we've both forgotten, but I also feel like pacing in general is where we're rough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, we have no idea. We, our, our recollections of how pacing went are almost never right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because Daisy gets picked up in the, la in the last part of this episode, I totally thought that sh that happened like, like almost like at the end of their time in the future. So I was like, wait, what? What happens then? So now, I'm no now I don't know <laughs> how this is going to work out. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. <laughs> it's like watching it for the first time again, I guess. Oh my god. Um, before we get fully started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, ButWhyThoughPodcast.com. We are super proud to be a part of their community. So this is Season 5, Episode 3, titled A Life Spent, um, which I kind of feel like last episode should have been named that, but whatever. <laughs> I guess it was still part of the, what did, what did they call it? Um, uh, orientation or whatever. Part, the parts title 1 was. and 2. Yeah. Um, this was written by Nora and Lila Zuckerman, directed by Kevin Hooks, originally aired December 8th, 2017. And uh, if you forgot where we left off, um, Daisy found out through Deke that she is the one who destroyed the Earth and she quaked it apart. And so, yeah. <laughs> and Gemma is now serving Cassius, and he put a little worm thing in her ear so she can't hear anything unless he wants her to. And so she is in his whatever room that is where he receives people and someone shows up some dude and he's another alien dude and um he is there on the behalf of someone named lady basha and it's kind of clear that this guy doesn't want to be there um and Cassius is also not happy he's there it's a very like uh tense conversation with a lot of undertones of like dislike and contempt and things like that um, but maybe the creator just like that. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and apparently there's going to be some sort of ceremony that Lady Basha will attend. Um, and then another man comes to give Cassius news about the ceremony or something. And then we see it from Gemma's perspective, which is like completely like, you know, ears ringing, can't hear anything. It's all fuzzy. And Cassius goes into this rage and he starts destroying things. He's very upset with whatever this dude has told him. And Sonara comes and tries to calm him down. And she, like, kind of looks over at Gemma and smirks. And Cassius looks at her. Clearly, like, she was talking about her. Um, and he's like, all right, you need to fix the problem that we have. So Gemma has to fix this or she she go and die or something like that. Um, meanwhile, our friend Grill, who I, like, could not remember his name. So I'm really glad that, like, someone said it in this scene, like, right away. I was like, sweet. Okay. Because otherwise I would not have remembered his name. Can't remember the uh, other dude's name either. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, I might as well mention it now. But uh, as I told you right before we started recording, there was a moment uh, halfway through this episode where his other guy, his his uh, right side, right-hand man, Zev, uh, where I was like. I thought it was Zeb. <laughs> <laughs> If it weren't for captions, I think I would have as well. Because it's, 
because Zebulon and Zebediah are like real names. They're they're weird, but they're but they're real. Yeah. So people have them. There are real Zebs, but there and there I'm sure there are Zebs as well, but not not as many that I've read about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is my first Zeb. So. Yeah. But, but there was like a moment about halfway through the episode where everyone like of our crew and who's with Tess kept referring to Zev like for like maybe 10 minutes straight. <laughs> like, like it was like Zev's on first or something like in a comedy bit. And I kept thinking like, I think I know who that is. And it wasn't until the end of that scene, about halfway through the episode that I was like, Oh no, that's grill. I remembered his name. I'm like, I don't, I have no idea who Zev is, but grill is the bald guy who's from the last episode who kind of like runs the junker thing or whatever. And Zev is his big buff right hand man. Yeah, <laughs> I Dude, know that now, but I did not know funny. that while I was watching this. Episode. <laughs> I know it's it's always funny to me because sci-fi does this a lot when it's like future sci-fi or like you know future Earth sci-fi. Not necessarily well, it does this too when it's like other world um, sci-fi, but they give people weird names, like names that like are not common now. Like we don't know anybody named Grill now, <laughs> like you know, or Virgil or Deke, really. Yeah, and like, like Virgil's a totally real name, but it's just not common. It's not place. common. Yeah. So it's just funny how like these sci-fi writers like give these future people names that are just like Oh, it sounds futury. <laughs> like Zev sounds is it it sounds exotic and futury. Like no one has a, a common name like that here. So. And I feel like it is just like changing one name or one letter from something, you know, a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. Like it's like rog instead of rob. <laughs> like, right. Well, yeah, that's futuristic. Or spacey or whatever. I know. I know. I just think it's funny. Cause I see that I read a lot of like YA sci-fi too, and they do this all the time where it's oh. like there's yeah. even like a joke about it in um in Hitchhiker's Guide. I, I mean, a lot of <laughs> a lot of Douglas Adams' work in general is a parody or satire of sci-fi tropes and whatnot, and specifically Hitchhiker's Guide. But the the one of the human one of the only hu- human survivors after the destruction of Earth is a woman named Trisha McMillan who changes her name to Trillian, who, just, like, <laughs> who like condenses all of her name into one thing. And uh, like uh, in the movie version, Arthur the the kind of uh, point of view character who n- ha- happened to meet her right before like her the, the halloween before earth blew up <laughs> like, like they happened to meet in passing before they met in space is like oh yeah i was t- thinking of changing my name to arthulia <laughs> like, oh, like sarcastically because it is it is a total sci-fi trope but i'm glad that someone has taken the time to actually acknowledge it in something mm-hmm. but uh, no it's, it's worth pointing out like even there's a character who's introduced who's from the comics in in this episode flint very briefly, who in the comics, that's his code name because he has rock powers. But in this, it's just his future name. He's just named Flint. <laughs> so. It's nice that Tess, like, that's a that's a name that we know. Yeah. Like, in our time, like, okay, cool. Someone decided to pass along normal Earth, not normal, but, like, common <laughs> Earth names real. for this century. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just funny. Um, I'm sure there's someone out there that's like studies the sociology of like naming patterns and things like that. Cause I don't know when I was growing up, Jessica was a really common name and oh, yeah. I, I I, there were like Jessica. six Jessicas in my class all, you know, all through elementary school. And now I feel like I don't come across any. <laughs> yeah. I was one of three Jared's in like my first cool. elementary school class and always had like maybe one yeah. maybe more than another one <laughs> like like like, yeah. two, like like there were at least at least two of us if not more jared's like yeah 
Jared, of- Jessica, Mike, Sarah, yeah, Jennifer. Kimberly, and Jennifer. Yeah, those were all those big. were names that were like super common. Lots Jason of, I went to a lot of Mikes and was, Jasons, yeah. Shawns of yeah. every spellings imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean and Eric and Jason were big too when I was growing up. So. It does make me think of why I like Star Wars names because they would combine totally mundane mm-hmm. names with space name like Luke Skywalker. Like, but there yeah. are also tons and tons of other examples. But uh, that's just. It's definitely one of one of the things I liked about it because it felt like it was in, both embracing the ridiculous names, but also some of them did have, have like a grounding quality, and it's it made it unique, but also like very pulpy and very very much like a what do you call it a Buck Rogers, you know, type mm-hmm. type of character, like one of the background characters in there. Like they had names like Tom, you know, Star Sword <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> and, and that's and that's what George Lucas was explicitly parodying. But like by the time something like this season of shield takes place and it was made. It feels like it is just such a weird sci-fi trope. No one is thinking about where it came from originally or trying to be clever or ground anything. They're just like, no. what's a sci-fi name? Grill. <laughs> yeah, grill is so Zev. random because it's a real thing. Like, it's like, well, I feel like what? sci-fi does that too. They'll take like, you know, I don't know, toaster or something like that. And well, call absolutely. That I'm, like, I just thought, uh, cause I've been thinking, probably more than usual about the matrix because we did just cover the frameworks uh, stuff and they're <laughs> filming matrix four right now. So like leaked footage is getting out of, uh, of Prague of, of uh, matrix yeah. four. But one of the guys in matrix two, who's like running the thing. And, and I think he's even around like in the first one is tank. One of the yeah. two brothers, right? Like, yeah. like so like, yeah, no, absolutely. They just have weird bullshit. Sci-fi <laughs> names. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Tank would fit in in this. <laughs> Tank and yeah. Grill could be could be friends. Yep. Um so Grill uh is yelling at everybody and he's like get to work blah 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 and um so it's Colson, Mac and Yo-Yo, correct? Those are the only three that are working for right, him but- at this point. Yeah. I felt like May was too, but I guess no May is. She's a pilot, right? You're right, but because she's a pilot, I think she's not in all the scenes with them. Like she's yeah. on the ship when they're off the ship doing weird stuff. Yeah. Or she didn't get have to buy her um, metric from him either, so maybe that's also why Deke put it in. Yeah, so maybe, maybe she's not she's, owned by him. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so girls ye- yelling at everybody, and Mac and Yo Yo are like shoveling rocks or some shit, and um, Coulson is near like a, a furnace and is like sneaking looks at this book that he found in Virgil's room. And Yo-Yo is, like, not happy. She's, like, complaining very loudly. And um, she's like, this fucking sucks. And Grill does something to her metric and it, like, zaps her and makes her get back to work. And Mac is like, dude, what the fuck? Um, And so he goes straight to the guy's office. And um, he gets stuck in the doorway by his metric. So his arm just, like, magnetizes to the doorway. And um, Grill's like, oh, you think I wouldn't have, like, a fail-safe? Like, why would I let you guys in here? You know? And... Mac just is, you know, saying, oh, this isn't cool. Um, and then I call to him Grill's Lackey, but this is Zev now that I know his name. <laughs> Thank you. He zaps Mac the same way that Yo-Yo got zapped. And Grill says, as long as you owe me, I own you. And honestly, the fact that he said this to a black man um, and we are watching it during this time just really hit me. And I was like, huh. Yeah. It, during the first, <laughs> during the two-parter, because of what's happened, everything, you know, being, I mean, it's, it's not nothing new, but everything being in the public eye and us really, you know, finally 
kind of tackling it head on as a, a nation and you know the ongoing preposterous amount of bigotry and racism against black people it's still just carried over you know transferring you know chattel slavery into various other forms of oppression and and no you're absolutely right i, I just in vague terms them not even using the terminology slave or owning in the previous episodes just what was being introduced with the metrics and and grill taking possession of them at the end of the two-parter i i was feeling very uncomfortable but when it actually comes up in this moment it's like palpable how gross yeah. it is and I, I don't think it's something that they didn't realize like i think they no, definitely want you to know how gross it is yeah because the the look that matt gives him too is very like oh okay <laughs> like <laughs> that's how it is you know um like for him to go through everything that he has to go through as a black man, like in our current timeline, and then like to go into the future and like nothing's really changed, <laughs> like fucking awful. Ugh. But yeah, it was a very, I don't know, it was a, it was a moment. I'm glad we're acknowledging it. Um, so uh, Deke and Daisy, they just came out of Deke's framework thing, his opium den, and they're trying to find everybody else, and um. Daisy's like, I've got to find my friends. And Deke's like, uh, don't you want to just like stop and talk about what I just told you? I just told you you destroyed the earth. And she's like, that's not possible. Like I, my powers are not that strong. I'm not that strong. I can't do that. And he gets all like physics-y and he starts, starts talking about the multiverse theory. And I mean, this it, this um, scene is kind of introducing, well, no, because we already kind of knew that with how he built the framework essentially from nothing um but it's just showing like deke is educated and smart and like he knows things and he just like starts rambling off and it's very fitzy (laughs) it is knowing we all we know now Mm -hmm. it's it's it makes me like him like faster yeah than i did initially (laughs) yeah it's so funny because he's just so intense and he's such a different character than he starts to become later and it's funny because so he she he's like going off on her like on a fitz rant like how fitz would and she slaps him and she's like what universe did that happen in?" that's i don't i'm not going to spoil anything past uh the first episode because i know you haven't watched any further through the uh the final season Mm -hmm. but there is one i'll 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 give i'll give away one split moment there's an exchange between yo-yo and deke where she basically talks about like you know you used to be a hustler like you used to do whatever had you had to do just to survive just to get by and he basically like looks at her and is like i'm not that guy anymore like i'm not the same person i was like he acknowledges and it's just funny because we we had talked about that when we talked with jacqueline Mm -hmm. and just in general uh thinking you know about how much he's changed since we've started started this season and this rewatch and it it really made me made me think like it's it's cool that we've noticed it because it's something that's very conscious on their part like like it's something that they're not doing inadvertently because i do think that a lot of character development over time is just done organically because of the nature of the actors who play them you know seeping into the role or the dynamics that they have with other characters and other actors all influencing how it's developed and and just you know natural evolution of the story and, and how and how it'll unfold and change as they're writing it but this feels like it was like planned on some level like they they, they yeah. knew what they were doing with with D. yeah i agree um yeah it's just it's it's fun to like watch this now knowing who deke is to see like Oh, like there's a little bit of fits and oh, like he, I mean, this world that they're living in is about survival. And so he is absolutely in survival mode. <laughs> um, 
And he's like scrappy and smart, like Gemma. Like she makes the best of like whatever situation she's in. And it's I don't know, it's it's fun to see that. Um, and he has and he has unique qualities, probably born from like his weird selective shelteredness, even though mm-hmm. he is cynical and and in survival mode because of their future. Like he's got weird blind spots, you know. And so like yeah. so we have the guy who puts lemons on a bed and loves Zima, <laughs> you know, and becomes the kind of jokey kind of guy he is. But when he's given that room to breathe and not be in constant scratching for survival mode, he also develops, I think, even more like Gemma, like, like he really sees the good in people and like wants to do good and help people like in a way that he never really shows in this, you know, in this whole half of the season, he doesn't ever really get to that point, you know, other than showing affection for them when he realizes they're his grandparents and his developing crush on, on Daisy, he doesn't really have a whole lot of like, goodness you know <laughs> like, like he doesn't have than... people either he doesn't have family he doesn't have people he can trust like he trusts no one i feel yeah, like his right. story and his like character development is a big like commentary on trauma and healing from trauma i know everything comes back to trauma with me but just like being able to trust yourself and trust other people and then like getting out of that survival mode like lifestyle or just mindset I think so. And just allowing people in like, and that's, uh, I think a theme in general with the, sh- with the show, you know, like yeah. that's something that all of them to some level have had to do to, yeah. to be, be happier and be yeah. more of their May. full selves. <laughs> oh yeah. May, May in particular, uh, like Daisy as well on some level. And even like Fitz didn't start off that way, but after the TBI, like there's all sorts of different elements that the different characters have had that kind of aspect to them and where they've had to open up. And I, I I definitely think that's uh, an ongoing theme, and and I don't think it's entirely you who talk, you know, about the trauma. <laughs> like I think that we look at like all the, like like just last season, just the framework stuff. It's like it's all about all of their traumas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. That's just a lens that I see everything from now, just because of like the type of therapy that I'm doing. <laughs> so it's like oh, it's new. For, it's new to me. <laughs> so it's like oh, I see it in everything now. I see it in all fiction. Um. Uh, anyway, so Deke sees some dude in the hallway, and he's the shoe guy, I guess. He runs to him, and he talks to him for a second to find out, like, what happened. And he comes back to report back to Daisy, and he finds out that, like, there was a renewal, and three people are dead, and um, but the, our S.H.I.E.L.D. team is safe. And then Daisy's like, you got all that from the shoe guy? <laughs> um, and Deke assumes that they're at Grills because um, last he heard there was a vacancy, so they're going to go there and see what's up. Um, back at Grills, uh, Mac and Yo-Yo are speaking to each other in Spanish and Yo-Yo is telling him, you know, what you did was stupid. And Mac is like, no, I, you know, I didn't just do it for you. I wasn't just angry on your behalf. I was doing recon. Like I saw the scroll, you know, that, that scroll tech thing, um, in his office. Um, so we got to find a way to get it and get out of here. Um, and he's like, see, I'm smart, (laughs) which it's funny because Mac is showing so many leadership qualities and just like taking initiative in so many ways. I feel like um, later on, there's a scene when they're in the trawler that it like, I felt really like director Mac was there. Um, and um, so May and Tess return from wherever and Colson's like, hey, I want to go out with you on your next trawler run. And Grill comes up and he's like, hey, you owe me double or whatever. And so Tess finds a way to get them on the ship with, with, um, with her. So, you know, they can, she's like, I need people. So she tricks him. Um, so Gemma goes into a room and there's a young girl sitting on the bed who's very scared and she's having like, 
um, I forget what these are called. Uh, they're a form of seizures where like your muscles seize up. Oh my God, I'm blinking on what it's called. Anyway, she's having that type of seizure and she's in a lot of pain. And her name is Abby. And so she is being tasked to help this this young girl. Well, she's like 18, young woman. Um, and um, Jenna tries to touch her and her hand goes th- right through this girl. And so she's inhuman. And she is going to be a part of Cassius's ceremony. Um, so inhumans do exist in the future. Yay. Well, and um, I kept thinking how the young woman who played Abby did such a good job compared oh, yeah. to the young woman we get as Ruby oh, <laughs> in my the God, second yeah. half of the season. I was just like, uh, come on, man. Like, like they're capable of it. <laughs> they're capable of good, of great casting. <laughs> I really felt like that was a Disney thing. Like it does. It feels like you know it what I mean? an ABC <laughs> Disney synergy. Like, yeah. Like they were like, I, oh, we already have her, you know, let's just, you know, pull her into this too. Yeah. Totally they they could they could finagle her mega contract through the Disney yeah. channel and, and whatever albums and whatnot she puts out. Because like a lot yeah. of it is, it's like a certain number of hours filmed or whatever mm-hmm. episodes filmed for them. And I'm sure they could tr- switch it around. They, they, even if it wasn't su- like, like super written into the contract but it could move across all of disney's subsidiaries i'm sure disney has the the money to facilitate anything i mean they're the reason yeah. why copyright is the way it is is <laughs> just so that they still own mickey mouse <laughs> ridiculous um so daisy um gets to grills and she's like kind of leaning against the wall chatting with yo-yo around the corner she's like asking her what's going on and yo-yo tells her like their plan that they need to get the scroll and yo-yo is going to be the one to do it and so she's like yeah just stay close um so that um uh when yo-yo gets the scroll daisy can get it to simmons and they can figure out what to do from there and grill um thinks that they're all up to something he's like i don't trust them so he's going to send his buddy zev um, to go on the trawler run with them. And Tess, this is where um, we were talking off pod. So Tess opens the door to get to the ship and there's a kid sleeping in there and she's like, and it's Flint. And um, she's like, hey, I can't have you in here during working hours. And he's like, oh, you said I could sleep here. Um, we're just finding like different ways that like the humans in this future kind of take care of each other, even though it's like a very like, I don't know, no one shows real affection. <laughs> there's ways that people show affection. So this is our first intro to Flint, who will return many times in this season and in season seven or season six. <laughs> yes, Flint is uh, one of the only characters, I think, in this whole season that is a pre-existing character. It's like a, a new uh, a, a new character to be introduced to the show, but it's from the comics. Mm. Uh, in the comics, he's not from the future, but it's still an human. He's from the series Inhuman, number three, uh, from October 2014. Created by Charles Soule and a huge comic guy from the '90s, who's like made his uh, his kind of name and fortune drawing X Men. A guy named uh, Joe Matarera, and uh, yeah, he was a human from like he's basically like Daisy. He was uh, of of inhuman uh, heritage and was like part of the rest of Earth. You know, like he he wasn't a part of a secret inhuman society and when this uh uh terrigen cloud came over every everything uh it affected everyone and he was uh what do you call it he oh no actually i guess he was from Udalon, one of the new additional cities which is like heaven or whatever and in right. the comics it was always just adalon 
-hmm. but he was adopted by a group that was in hiding in Minnesota. So there you go. (laughs) And they named him uh, Jason uh, and uh, (laughs) spelled J-A-Y-C-E-N. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, uh, yeah, he is, has a code name Flint because Mm -hmm. he has rock powers. Yeah. Instead of just being named Flint because they would know that one day he would end up with rock powers. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and he's played by a young man named Coy Stewart, who is on a bunch of stuff and is one of our multiple comic book people because oh. he is also on the new 2020 uh, Netflix show Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts, where he, uh, which is based on a web comic. So he oh, is cool. going to be a multiple comic book person. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I've mentioned it, I think, a couple times, and I know you mentioned that Billy enjoys the Blacklist. He plays Vontae Jones. One of the many criminals who, with a heart of gold, one of the, like the modern day merry men who work for Red Reddington oh and God. help uh, right all the wrongs of the world through crime. Because <laughs> that show's amazing. And yeah, so he, he's like a, a, a really smart, I think, like, he does some hacking, but pretty much everybody does on that show. <laughs> he's like a smart, fast-talking kid on that show. and Very, very likable. And yeah. I was happy to find out to find that he played Flint early on in my watching of that because I recognized him. I was like, mm-hmm. "What is he from? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know him from something." And I looked know. it up. I was like, "Oh, thank goodness, it's Shield." <laughs> but uh, yeah, and like you said, we'll get to know him a lot more. Like he's barely in this episode because it is so darkly lit. And I think I was distracted by like my uh, parents arranging a Father's Day Zoom call. Just how you'll be able to tell when this was recorded. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> uh, as a result, I, I missed his very brief appearance in this episode, uh, thanking Tess for a chance to, to sleep in there, even though he's being kicked out. <laughs> I know, poor kid. Um, yeah, so Flint leaves, and then May, Mac, and Coulson gather with Tess, and um, Coulson tells them that he's noticed a pattern that Virgil was tracking something in space, and he's like, all right, can we go find it? And Mac is like, all right, but I'd rather not go where no one can hear you scream. <laughs> and Tess is hesitant. She's like, I really wish I could help you guys, but like, I already have to do double. Like, we don't have time to do this extra mission. And Colson is like, this is the mission. Like, we're going to save everybody and we need to figure out how. She's like, all right, I'm in. And then they're all kind of chatting. And then um, Zev shows up and they all go silent. He's like, see the way that you guys all stop talking. That's why I'm coming with you. Cause you're being shady. So he's going with them. So Gemma is chatting with Abby. Um, uh, and she's kind of learning more about this world, how they, they put all 18 year olds through terror Genesis, apparently, which I don't know if I heard that right, because wouldn't that mean that like everybody basically that was born and has grown up here would be some type of inhuman. I think that, <laughs> I, I think maybe they put all eighteen year olds who have the inhuman gene through through terror. Okay, I could be wrong, but because of the way it's supposed to be traditionally, where it can like kill people who don't have it, but it, like like I'm not sure because in the way they've done it on this show with the crystals being you know shot out into the world, they only affect inhumans. But in the comics, like it could kill a non-inhuman person doesn't yeah. always so like it's very uh, I, I i assume it's just 18 year olds but i don't know yeah um the other thing that i was assuming too is like because um 
I think it was Radcliffe, right, who came up with a crystal that wouldn't harm humans that don't have the inhuman right. gene. Like for or our friend Shockley <laughs> tried to <laughs> tried to um, put what's her name, the senator through Terry. Yeah, and ended up finding out he had powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's that they do they use those crystals or something. I mean, that, the Cree are the ones that like came up with all this stuff. So I imagine that they have the technology to not kill off their like working populace. It would make sense that they would be able to to know who it's going to be worth testing it on. That's true. Like, yeah. That makes sense. So I guess it could be either way. They could it could be something that's that's harmless, and so it's just a way to to find it, to test for mm-hmm. for it. But I don't know. That step feels weird too, because like it, it it feels like if they tested for the capability earlier on, then they could like breed those kids to be stronger and like leading up to them getting powers. I don't know. It, yeah, it, maybe Kree aren't thinking things through as well as they should be. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, that's yeah. I like really had to think through that. I was like, oh, I must have heard that wrong because that seems counterproductive. But whatever. Anyway, um, so apparently, um, if uh one of the humans goes through terogenesis becomes inhuman, they um get to go through this uh like ceremony, and the families of the inhumans will be rewarded. Um. And so the Inhumans have to, like, demonstrate their abilities, and they get to leave, and they get to go off and explore the galaxy, or so she thinks. Um, And um, she doesn't quite know how to control her power. She doesn't know, like, what it is. And so Gemma starts asking her questions, and they realize that she can control her molecular density, so she can make herself very solid or very, like, not solid. (laughs) And so she she can become intangible. And she describes it as, like, being becoming super light. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then we find out here that she has a blocker installed like behind her ear. So because um, she can't control her powers, um, Gemma is assuming that, the, that there was a dude in the room with them earlier. And I just didn't talk about him before, but um, he's like trying to help her. He was kind of yelling at her like when Gemma came in and she's like, no, he helps me. He protects me. Like if my powers start like overwhelming me and I get seizures, like he turns this blocker on and it helps me. Um, so we find that. I mean, I guess they install this in all in humans. We find later that Daisy gets one. So, um, and she says if she can't figure out how to control her powers before the ceremony, uh, her family will be punished. And so this is, they're, they're on a time crunch. Um, <laughs> this next sentence. Um, so I put in the notes, the trawler is a giant fish eating rocks in space. <laughs> it's exactly what it looks like. It, it like the front of the ship opens up and it looks like a mouth, like a, a, a whale, <laughs> just like eating things. <laughs> um and uh, it does right like (laughs) um so colson and may are getting some quality time in the cockpit and they have this like cute moment and you know he asks about her leg and she's like i'm not gonna lie it's not good and he you know he like kind of touches her and gives her some like physical affection and um Colson starts to think he's like you know there may not be a way back and she's like that doesn't sound like you he's like I'm just trying to be realistic and May's kind of having a hard time with that she's like no I don't believe that she's like I was in the framework for weeks um and then I wake up and we're here like I've earned a night in my own bed and May hasn't been able to be her in a long time and now she's injured like god she's just going through it man can't ma- I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, I really can't imagine because I would never go into space. But anyway, <laughs> so Grill is sitting at his desk in his office and he's eating and then some alarm goes off and he kind of looked like uh, uh, saying that somebody's outside the perimeter, one of his workers, but he looks up and everybody's normal and nothing's happened. 
He's like, what the fuck? And so it keeps happening. Um, he's like, all right, I need to fix this. So he thinks Yo-Yo's metric is like fucked up. And so he takes it off. And so this is she gets a chance to run um, through the office and get the scroll to Daisy out in the hallway. And it goes off without a hit. She comes back and he doesn't suspect a thing. And she's like, mm, just smiling very sweetly. <laughs> um, so back on the trawler, um, Tess brings out Virgil's little earth ball. And she's like, oh, Virgil, like never left without this. Like he always said, you know, blah, blah, blah. And thinking it's like a, a sentimental thing. And Coulson's like, mm, I don't know about that. And he opens it. And there's something in there that Tess calls the lost knob and attaches to this radio <laughs> system. What? Laugh. It sounds like some. It sounds like something that like would be in an Indiana Jones movie in like a thousand years, you know, like yeah. some artifact of uh, yeah, from a radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it attaches to this radio system and they start like kind of um, playing with it and grills dude Zeb walks out and he stops them and he magnetizes all the metrics and he's like, see, I knew you guys were up to something. And so May's like, are you guys all stuck to the wall? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, all right. So she like turns the ship and lets it get hit by a bunch of asteroids. And so everybody gets, you know, tossed around. Well, Zeb, Zeb gets tossed around. Everybody else is fine. Um, and they start fighting him. And then Mac shows up because he was like in a different room. So he didn't get stuck to the wall. And he just knocks him out. Um, and that way they can get loose. And Tess starts freaking out. She's like, you guys don't understand. Like, we just like hit a superior. Like, we're dead. Like, we we can't, you know, we can't go back. <laughs> like, what do we do? Um, so Simmons is continuing to work with Abby. And um, she keeps failing. And she like smacks the floor out of frustration. She like cracks the, the like tile, the granite floor. And she's like, oh, you're a lot stronger than you think. And she's like, yeah, but I can't control it. So Gemma tries this thought experiment. And she has Abby try to control the space between the stars. She explains, like, you know, everything's made up of these three particles, and in between them, there's space. Like, there's nothing there, and you can control that space. And so she's successful. Um, and, you know, she does end up, like, breaking this picture that she was trying to put her hand through. But she, you know, Gemma's like, with a little practice, you can really, you know, do something with this. And Caius is like, well, too bad, <laughs> like, because I want her now. He walks in the room and takes her to go perform the ceremony and Gemma tries to like advocate for her and Cassius silences her world again. And then Cassius accuses Sonara of setting Gemma up to fail. He's like, did you, um, you know, just send, you know, want to give her this, you know, this mission because you thought she would fail. And she's like, what do you think that Gemma has that makes her different? And Sonara says that Gemma has compassion. And obviously that is not an admiral admirable thing to have for the Cree or anybody in this world. So Daisy runs into Deke while she has the scroll and he's like, why do you have that? Like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? Um, he's like, you're going to get us all in trouble. And he's really upset. And she, he's like, you should be playing the long game. Like, I can get you upstairs. Like, if you just give me like some time and we can do it you know, and find your friend. And she's like, no, this is what I do. Like, my friend's in trouble. Like, we have to go help her now. Like, and I can do this. Like, you know, I have the ability to do this. Um, and Deke says, you know, if you upset the Cree, they're going to take it out on all of us. So, like, stop. <laughs> he says, you already destroyed the world once. I'm not going to let you do it again. And she gets mad and quakes him away. And he's like, oh, wow, there she is. And he calls her the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> 
Um, so Coulson gets the radio going and the, he hears something. He's like, oh, there's like something here. And Tess um, and, and Mac are having a conversation and she suggests dumping Zev because otherwise, you know, to make it look like an accident or something, because otherwise they're in huge trouble. And Mac is like, no, we don't kill people. We, you know, we have a code. Um, and she's like, there's no other choice. And he's like, no, no, we're not doing that. Um, and then a signal starts coming from the Earth's surface, which Tess is like, that's not possible. <laughs> there's nobody there. Um, so Lady Basha arrives um, finally, and her and Kasaias have this tense greeting. She's like, oh, you've carved yourself out a little life here. Like, it's it's very obvious that, like, everybody kind of looks down on Kasaias here and nobody wants to be here, <laughs> including Kasaias. Um, so, so they go to this arena. And Abby comes out of one door, and then a very big dude comes out of the other. And Lady Bosch is, like, not impressed. She's like, this is your inhuman. Like, she doesn't look like much. And Kasai is like, well, inhumans tend to, you know, don't judge them by their cover. You know, you never know. And so this big dude is, like, her champion. Apparently he's never lost or something like that. So, like, she travels around doing these ceremonies. Or all the Kree do that, which is gross. And um, he smacks the shit out of Abby and he just like tosses her around and it's really fucking horrible and hard to watch. And she's just helpless and screaming. She's like a little girl. Like, what the fuck? And Abby looks up at Gemma um, and Gemma whispers for her to just think of the stars. And Lady Basha gives the signal for the big dude to just end her. And he punches her. And it breaks his arm. She becomes solid. And then she puts her hand inside his chest and kills him. And the Kree are very pleased. All of them. Which is so gross. Um, so Zev wakes up and Tess starts freaking out. Um, and Mac is just like, no, we're not killing him. We're not doing it. Um, and then uh, Zev is like in a different room. And he like cuts the feed to the camera when he's yelling at everybody. And then all of a sudden an alarm starts going off. And May tells them they're losing fuel. So apparently he cut the fuel line. So they have to rush back or um, or they're going to be stuck out there. And uh, so Lady Basha gives Cassius a bunch of money for Abby and then takes her away. And she looks so pleased. And Gemma's like, oh, my God, this is not great. Like, not good. Not great. She gets very upset. Um, and then Daisy walks out of... Um, she she so she went into the elevator when she was talking with Deacon. She walks out of the elevator here and it's onto a floor where they're growing a bunch of plants and humans are working while the Cree watch. Um, and she goes into an, another elevator, kind of looking for somewhere to use the scroll, but a Cree stops it from closing. And he has a box of lemons. And Daisy like suspends <laughs> herself up in the ceiling, like the whole superhero spy pose where she just like braces herself with her arms and her legs. And, she and another Cree, she does a good job. Yeah, well, and also she. She makes it believable too. Like, like it's hard. It's not easy to do that. <laughs> it requires right. a lot of strength. She's not doing it like effortlessly, like Batman would or whatever. Yeah. It's more like something like for, from like Mission Impossible, where like mm -hmm. they're showing that like, but it's like kind of stressful. Yeah. But like you said, another Kree came in and is like, "Hold on, we have yeah. more stuff to, to load up." Yeah. And you're like, "Wait a second, what?" Because like it had already been like. 45 seconds like it's already a long time to be holding that study. i know and she's just like dude just get in here and so um there's two Cree with a bunch of fruit in the in the elevator and she starts to slip and they hear her and she's like well this didn't work out how i thought and so she drops down and she starts kicking ass and it's a really good fight it um, is it's like it's, it's it's really fast but really 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 good like 
close, not quite a, a closed room, you know, fight scene. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not stuck in the elevator. The one, the one side is open, yeah. but there's a lot of like running up the wall and, and turning oh, yeah. the momentum against the guys uh, and throwing them in, at each other. And like, it's, it's very, very cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, I remember Chloe posting something about this scene on her Instagram saying that like she was really doing all of the combat stuff and there were real lemons on the floor and they kept falling and slipping on the lemons. <laughs> they kept stepping on them. <laughs> she said it was a lot of fun to film. I was like, yeah, I can imagine. It's the lemon cool. continuity. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so she ends up getting punched back out into the room with all the plants and she's like, all right, I don't have time for this. And she quakes one of the, one of the Creed dudes like into the wall and knocks him out. And she's like, I gotta go. Um, the idea that, that uh, in the, an alternate timeline, as uh, Deke mentioned, where they don't have the lemons on the floor during the fight sequence, (laughs) we, we we noticed it when we watched and we're like complaining. (laughs) And then there, all of a sudden there's no lemons, even though they dropped that big, that big crate full of them. I <laughs> you know where are the apples i thought they had apples too like come on but the lemons was a nice touch because it does come back right no that makes it, it made me laugh watching it but even more so just like reading it written the box of lemons like just yeah. made me crack up <laughs> well because i'm like he has a box of lemons dot 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 because that's important <laughs> like it comes back it's, a, it's a important to daisy and deke's friendship <laughs> Oh god. Um so the team goes back to Grill and he's super pissed. He's like, I knew you guys were up to something. Like I knew Virgil was up to something and blah blah blah. And Tessa's like, they didn't have anything to do with it. She takes the fall for them. She's like, I knew Virgil. Like they didn't know him at all. Like, it's me. I'm the one who's up to this. And Yo-Yo's like, You want to talk about contraband? Like, your friend has a gun. And I guess she put a gun on him. I missed that part. I like must have looked away or something. No, I don't think they show it happening. I think you just know it because we know we know Yo-Yo. And they did show her doing this this the trick before when he thought her metric was malfunctioning. Yeah. Like, because I don't remember seeing it either. Okay, I'm glad I'm not crazy. (laughs) So it's like I don't remember seeing her do anything. Or maybe they just like made it so that like she was in one place during the scene and then then in the next she was like in a different position. I don't know. Well, she yo-yos back to the same spot. Never mind. Anyway, (laughs) um, so she's like, hey, you want to talk about contraband? Like your friend has a gun and guns are apparently contraband. Humans aren't allowed to have weapons. And so girl finds the gun on him and he's like, no, like I didn't do it. And um, girl's like, all right, sorry, like nobody's above the law. And Tess and, and Coulson kind of spin the story. And Tess is like, yeah, well, we didn't want to tell you because blah, blah, blah. And Coulson's like, yeah, see, like we were trying to like, you know, I don't know, whatever. And Mac is watching all of this happen. And, you know, he's upset that everybody is like, you know, just letting this guy take the fall for them. And he's especially looks very horrified at Yo-Yo because they're like kind of looking at each other. And he's just like, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> like, But I think it's important because of their relationship. But like you were saying before about him like showing future leadership qualities, I think it also speaks to the fact that like at this point, Colson's been pushed so much. He's had his own agency taken away a couple times. Like he's cutting corners. He he would have in the past, I think, been upset about. And at this point, the only person who's really holding that line, you know, with the superhero level morality, you know, where we don't even kill our enemies because we're better than them or whatever. Like like. Mm-hmm. That, that he's the only one, Max, the only one who's really still trying to uphold that, who's not, who's, who's who is unwilling to just survive, who wants yeah. to like keep keep their standards as much as the, they, they're they're able. 
And like, I think that that's interesting in that, in that level too, this is just like so much of his season is prepping him for that role for, for Colson to be like, no, it had to be you. Like you're, you're the guy to take over. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too, because I, I vaguely remember later, like during this, um, this first half of the season, like Mac and Yo-Yo having a conversation around all of this and like how she's like, dude, how do you think I survived in Columbia? Like, <laughs> right. I had because to do shady they, shit. When they met her, she was, she was not a gun runner, but she was doing extremely dangerous shit. Like to, to, to get the guns out of the hands of gun runners. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I'm, I, I really like how the show like doesn't leave things like that. Like loose ends as far as like character story, like you said, like for season seven, like Deke's past comes back and there's a conversation around that. Like Yo-Yo's past comes back and like they have a conversation around that. Cause it's like, you don't just ignore where these characters came from. I feel like Daisy gets that. Her story kind of gets ignored sometimes with the whole hacking, like uh, activism thing, but I don't know. And it's like the not knowing, not knowing her past. I feel like it's partially because some aspects of it, they've covered but like we we've we've mentioned before like every time that they reference that daisy's awesome at computers it's nice because it was it was like the reason why she was recruited (laughs) to to start and now it's like just an afterthought a lot of ways which is okay but it's just it's just interesting um it's a little out of order but right when uh, grill is first ranting at all of them he mentions you know he always thought virgil was on the take blah blah and he's like and now i find out you you've been squirreling away contrabands and right before yo-yo pins everything on zev mac has the best line where he mutters to himself like you even know what a squirrel is which just cracked me up because like why would that be a thing to get mad about but he's just annoyed he's he's just really frustrated with everything (laughs) i mean fair like how would you know what a squirrel was grill like you've never seen a squirrel just makes me think of like the roots of of different phrases and language though (laughs) like different things we say all the time (laughs) i know we have no idea comes but i I like i like the anything happening at this point like between that or the the reference earlier with uh like you said he he mentioned not wanting to be in space where no one could hear him scream it's like yeah. i love max love of pop culture references that he's like making an alien tagline you know reference it's so good it's so good he's very grounding in this season I he like is it. and they managed to like i feel like the humor they use with mac isn't like ridiculous tough guy punchline stuff mm-hmm. like, like, like 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 schwarzenegger-esque one-liners or yeah. whatever but it's like real humor it's what a real person would say and it's like not in the way that colson's are which are real but also <laughs> exclusively dad jokes <laughs> but but like just in just in a humorous situation or in a reference to something in pop culture if it's relevant like he, he just feels he, he both grounds you and it's like makes him it's another aspect of his character that makes makes him more well-rounded because he is like a guy who was a loving dad, is a into motorcycles and is an engineer, but is also badass and is very affectionate. He has faith, you know. He's he loves sci-fi, like cheesy sci-fi movies and and like eighties, you know, action stuff. Like I don't know, all of our characters are very very well developed in different ways. And I, I just I, I definitely. They, they've done a good job of making us love Mac for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I feel like too, this show does a good job of like doing that, like taking at least, cause I feel like Daisy is usually that character that like 
grounds us in reality of like this is ridiculous i can't believe this is happening of course there's aliens of course there's time travel you know what i mean like and mac is like becoming that person in this season um what it makes sense because both because of his initial hatred of robots is yeah. a good well, thing well i to guess build last on. season too he was that person because of the robot stuff <laughs> well, and i feel like daisy's got such a more you know amazing backstory you know yeah. like like her father's a super villain her mother is the leader of a race of superhumans like like she's just got she's a more remarkable human being yeah and so as the show even though when it started she was absolutely like our entry point as viewers like she became the center of the show in a different way where like all the crazy shit was revolving around her and so then they needed a new normal human pov yeah. but it's still funny but the normal human is like the world's best looking like su- yeah. like supermodel like bodybuilder level dude <laughs> like, like, like it's like like really that's our normal guy our, i'll take it but yeah. <laughs> like i'm not complaining but i feel like maybe maybe yeah. ian decaster <laughs> should have been our, our average guy no offense yeah. good looking guy but <laughs> i know well colson is that person sometimes too and it's like true more- you know, it kind of makes more sense that, well, not really, because he came back from the dead and he has a robot arm, so maybe not. <laughs> but when he started, he was yeah. very much, he's like a milk toast, like yeah. very much like you believe, he, there was a reason why you believed him as the the ex-husband on New Adventures of Old Christine <laughs> as an insurance salesman or as the unassuming guy in the first Iron Man movies. Because like, he's just, he he's good at blending in when he needs to. Like he's, he's the, both as a character, I think, and just his visual. Yeah. <laughs> balding white dude <laughs> oh i love him so much put clark greg in more things yeah it's it's interesting to think about how like he and and ming na wen and all the and, and henry simmons like everybody they all have these open schedules now like they could mm-hmm. be in anything and they probably will be starting soon it's just interesting yeah. to, to think about that i know um all right so um daisy I guess she just gave up on being stealthy. She quakes a hole in the ground to get to this lower level that she it's, thinks Simmons so, is on. It's not like bad stuff, but it's so like almost cartoonish, like yeah. the giant hole. <laughs> <to their laughs> okay, I'm sure no one noticed that. <laughs> like, yeah. Aren't they on like a really fragile space station that's yeah, like that's barely holding itself together? Yeah, like, well, I, I, I just thought these tremors would have long lasting effect. Well, the whole opening of this episode is them like in space like zeroing in on how small the lighthouse is and this little tiny piece of earth's crust that's left <laughs> like it's very fragile um so anyway she's like in this hallway and some barrier these like invisible barriers drop down and like some gas gets pumped into them and she starts like getting weak and falls to the floor and then Cassius shows up he's like oh look who i found and deke shows up and it look deke gave her up he's like oh here here's my gift to you or whatever and Daisy's like, oh, fuck you. And he's like, sorry, sweetheart, just playing the long game. And so, I mean, we know who Deke is and what he's doing, but she's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. She thinks he's not with them. <laughs> um, the very end scene is Coulson wakes up in his bunk and he looks outside. And this is where we ended in season four. This was like the season four cliffhanger. Um, and he goes into the trawler room and the team is trying to fix the radio. And I guess they take shifts to sleep so that someone's always working on this. And um, they start to hear someone talking on the radio and it, that someone is asking if they've received the delegation. And they're like, that's coming from the surface of the earth. And Tess is like, that's not possible because that's where they send people to die. And we go, we pan to the surface of the earth and Zev is there running around. 
and he's being chased by those like roach alien things. <laughs> so. Which I I, I, sw- I know that they mentioned it once in the two parter. I think in the first part, what they're actually called. Maybe Deep yeah. says it, but I yeah. only have any idea of that because the caption said like the Trexellian screeching <laughs> or something. I was like, oh, that's what those things are called. <laughs> I, I forgot. Thanks, caption. How did they get there? <laughs> I feel like. That's brought up in another episode, and I can't remember how, yeah, why they're on the surface of the yeah. earth. Well, and I'm trying to think: is that do they find uh, Enoch on the surface of the earth? Um, I feel Where like do they find him. I feel like they find the ship, the the Zephyr, that's like been retro, like it's been fitted for space, right? And there's people living there. That or is that what right. Fitz finds when he wakes up? I don't remember if the team finds that ship does or Fitz not. Ha- does Fitz have the retrofitted Zephyr? Because he arrives like with some like mercenary backstory or something. Like, like, like he's exi- been existing for a while. Yeah, I. Th- I mean, this will get answered in probably like. I oh, think, for, for I think if this happens episodes. in the next episode, we get like what what Fitz is doing. Next right. like episode or two, we'll get this answer. But um, yeah, it is like the next episode or two because he's one of the guys that comes and like wants to bet on Daisy when she's like in the arena, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. he is. But, I remember because he like he has a total like Boba Fett, you know, yeah. bounty hunter vibe, <laughs> and then his helmet comes off. Yeah. And it's like what? <laughs> yeah. Or uh. Uh, what is Leia's bounty oh, hunter? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, totally. It's more that. Um, yeah. What is the name of that? Uh, well, I can't, can't remember. It, the, I the know name. it's not. I, I, I feel like we both have to return our, turn in our Star Wars fan cards. It's not <laughs> Bosk, but it's close. Sounds yeah, like It sounds like Bosk's name. Now, now I have yeah. to look it up. It's going to drive well, me insane. I never remember anything Star Wars, so I already turned in my fan card, even though I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, what's that called? And Abby's like, really? <laughs> like, I swear. Boosh. Boosh. Yeah. Bausch. Or Bausch. Bausch. Something like Either that. Either way, it's preposterous. Yeah. It's got, it's got, it's, it's got an SH and an extra H. What the <laughs> hell does that do? <laughs> like, like, like an H at the end after yeah. it has H? What? Yeah. <laughs> Boosh. I know. Um, what I can't remember, like you said, is I can't remember if the team goes to the surface and because I remember there's like people living in the Zephyr, like on the surface, like they're the ones who are like trying to, you know, they're the ones on the radio. And right. I can't, but I can't remember if Fitz somehow goes there or if the team does. I don't remember. Remember either. <laughs> Well, I feel like they go there eventually because isn't that where May encounters um, Robin? Yeah, because Robin's not, right? Or is that in the past? There's because there, all it's I in the past. That that's in the past, I think, right? There's other time travel shit going on God, because yo- there's another yo yo. Oh, that's right. He's already there. And old, right? Yes. And Robin, I just skipped ahead, and Robin dies in episode eight, <laughs> so she's appearing soon because she's yeah, but she's episodes. like old, right? She's like an right. old lady, yeah. And yeah, they're they're the v- Vrel Nexians, 
Come on, guys. <laughs> why, why do we have to do aliens with names like V-R-E-L-L? Vrel? Come on. Well, since we obviously can't remember, we should probably end here. Yeah, <laughs> just continue to watch. <laughs> we just do it. <laughs> Ten minutes of us trying to vaguely yeah. recollect what gets us to the second half of the season. Yeah. With we just watch and, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since we will cover the next eight episodes, we might yeah. as well just do that <laughs> instead of trying to remember now. <laughs> There's been so many episodes in the past that, like, because of our like recording schedule, I will, like, we have already watched the episodes that we were like wondering about, like by that by the time that episode actually comes out. Yes, <laughs> and I'll well, listen yeah, to well, it and be like, sure. "Well, we already know the answer to this, and we were completely wrong." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were like totally off base half the time. Uh, and I always think it's really funny when that happens because it happens quite a few times, like especially in like season three and four. Um, we're just like, I don't know what happens. Maybe this happens. Yeah. No, that's not. There'll be like a question, like I wonder how this works, and literally, yeah. like the next time we record, yeah, we've got the answer. Yeah, I remember us just like prognosticating about something that we couldn't remember, and we were way, way off, way off, and just like, oh yeah, maybe that. that I think that is what happens. Like, no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Past Justin Jared, that is not what happened. Alrighty, well, oh, oh go ahead. I was gonna say all I know about this season is that. Adrian Pazdar becomes Graviton. We finally get a weird reappearance of the one, like the 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 one guy who was like facilitating Hydra but didn't realize it from the first season. The one oh, businessman yeah. uh, in how and how he got absorbed by the anti gravity metal that that turns Adrian Pazdar into Graviton. And we have yeah. Ruby who is like and one of the weakest links um, in the show. But doesn't Von Strucker come back too? Oh yeah, kid. no, because yes, uh, back kid, kid Von country. Strucker, who's also in all the uh, what do you call it? Uh, he's in uh, what can't think of the first one? Uh, Unbreakable and Glass. He's he's the son in in that movie. Yeah, uh, right. Bruce Willis's kid. I thought he he's, looked familiar. He's not in a whole <laughs> lot, and I thought uh, like it bugged me the whole time. I was watching Glass, and then when I got out, I got on my phone and looked it up, and I was like holy shit, he struck her. <laughs> like, because I was like, what? Because I knew he was the same kid from Unbreakable, but I knew I'd seen him in other stuff. I knew it wasn't just, you know, 17 years before when he was a little kid. But uh, no, he, he did. He does a good job. Like uh, for a guy who was a kid actor, a lot of times yeah. that, that doesn't work out. Yeah. You have a chance <laughs> to learn how to act <laughs> sometimes. Yep. We have but, we have another kid actor in this same season that doesn't do a great job. Who plays his love interest? Also, horribly, I think inappropriately uh, matched in age. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel because I feel like he's like not that much younger than me, and she's quite a bit younger than me. But yeah, I don't know. She, yeah, not not something inappropriate. Where, where like it's like that, like evil, <laughs> not yeah. like Woody Allen level, but just maybe a little bit. Typical Hollywood stuff. I just yeah. I just rewatched uh, an awful awful movie, uh, Demolition Man, the Sylvester Stallone movie, and mm-hmm. out of curiosity, I ended up looking it up. And his love interest in it is Sandra Bullock. She was 28 when they shot the movie, and he was 47. And I'm like, Ooh. and I bet you to this day, he he still has love interests who are like under 30. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm sure. He's probably like 70. <laughs> I'm sure. God, that's such a common thing. It's so gross. It is super gross, but 
way way more commonplace in hollywood than uh it should be and like i don't know in no shade to people who are in healthy relationships it's just so often you know power dynamics uh Mm -hmm. exist and weirdness is abound (laughs) yep Yep, absolutely but thankfully thankfully that's the last uh we'll see of uh what's ruby is this the end of this season i don't think there's any way she's coming back who knows <laughs> oh yeah oh gosh the time hits. travel with time travel anyone could oh no yeah. <laughs> i just realized that yep um all let's end here where can people find you i can be found occasionally at i snow nothing online where can people find you you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find this podcast at Project to Haiti on Twitter. Um, we are on all the things. If you're a browser listener, highly recommend you go to butwhythopodcast.com. We have a an embed feed there. Also, um, we have been listing certain Black Lives Matter related charities and information that you can go check out and donate to and petitions you can sign so be sure to read the show notes i don't i know not everybody does that but it's i've been posting it in the but why though um the posts as well um because we need to do something we need to burn it yep. down <laughs> Time to well, burn and there's it down. <laughs> and there's so many things out there like i i know that a lot of people don't have financial you know uh you know ability to help out and and maybe right now for whatever reason because of the covid crisis or any number of reasons may not be able to devote all the time that they would like to but there are things as simple as like i saw a thing i think it was started by a a young uh teenage woman who had uh just wanted to help and had no money herself but ended up figuring out how Mm -hmm. to uh create a a list of a, a playlist of songs that were like a, free to use on on uh, YouTube, yeah. and make it ad supported, and have all the all the funds go to these a, a myriad of different uh, black and and black trans inclusive charities, uh, and trying trying to help in some way, you know, with the police combat the police violence and help get funds to people who need them, you know, for either people who have been victimized or or any number of, of, of different programs and, and ways that people can give back. And it was just so cool to see because this one instance I saw, like she shared everything like with transparency, like her, her Gmail exchanges with, with uh, YouTube just exp- explaining like how she taught herself how to do this, how to become a YouTube content creator and how to create ad partnerships just to help give back. Like that's yeah. a way that someone who has no financial ability to help, can still help financially, yeah. you know, like and, somehow. And like, that's yeah, so cool. It's really cool. And actually, um, if like, for whatever reason, like, I mean, I'm unemployed right now. <laughs> so if you don't have funds, you can go and watch the video. I think it's about an hour long and just play it, let it play through. And, you know, the ad revenue that it generates, like you said, will go to various, um, you know, funds that she's supporting. Um, but I think if you just Google like YouTube Black Lives Matter donate or something like that, like it pops up, like it's been very popular and it's successful. So it's a really creative and great way to figure out a way to donate money if you don't have the money. I, w- I was just saying, it's just like it's inspiring to see people, especially young people, I think, you know, thinking outside the box and using capitalism not against itself i mean over <laughs> in the long run yes but 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 to do something yeah. good you know and yeah. to using a system that is in place to 
get money from people for nothing, you know, to, to actually contribute to something good instead. Have these corporations give money. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's going to somewhere for, because somebody's watching YouTube yeah. anyway. So people are making money. It might as well go to a good cause instead of to whatever Sony or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, whatever, whatever mega corporation is advertising. Or yeah, whatever racist influencer. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Alrighty, well, thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. We'll catch you next thank time. You. Bye. Bye.